Hello and welcome to Pearls and Wisdom. There will be stories about people, life, experience, mental well-being and shooting the breeze with some very interesting people. There may be some swearing so be mindful if there are little ears around. If you want to get in contact send an email to pearlsandwisdom at aol.com or follow the Instagram page at pearlsandwisdom where we'll be posting some of the material we cover in the episodes. Thanks for listening. Okay, so you might have listened to the episode on Sigmund Freud. So today, I'm going to talk about Carl Jung. So many of the notions of modern psychology go back to the Swiss psychologist Carl Jung. This physician invented many of the concepts of modern psychology. He studied medicine, as did Sigmund Freud, and became a prominent psychiatrist in 1909. Freud divided the mind into three parts, and so did Jung. He introduced the conscious, the personal unconscious, and the collective unconscious. Jung was one of the first scholars of Sigmund Freud, but but other than his teacher, he didn't focus on pure psychoanalysis. When Freud saw most, if not all, mental diseases related to suppression of sexuality, Jung himself didn't support that notion, and it led to a deep conflict between both psychiatrists. Jung's explorations and discoveries raised the level of psychology well above Freud's original developments. This does not diminish the importance of Freud, though. He gave the foundations. Before Isaac Newton, there could be no Einstein. Jung believed that when you're young, the sexual libido may govern your life, but as you grow old, other factors acquire importance. The words synchronicity or archetypes are familiar to a lot of people today, but they are an invention of Dr. Jung. Jung introduced the the concepts of the collective unconscious and synchronicity in archetypes, as I said. He introduced an approach which better suited his experience with the patients he treated. Freud seemed to be more familiar with conditions related to suppression of sexual wishes wishes than with real madness. In the 19th century, you have to remember, sexuality was not something someone could talk about publicly, and not even in the family. So as a result, many people suffered from mental diseases and were labelled hysteric. This naming goes back to Freud, who saw this as a problem of women mostly. He didn't see it in men, even though it was there too. Jung had his first encounters with, with mentally ill people when he started working as a doctor in a psychiatric clinic in Switzerland. His patients were truly crazy. They did not only suffer from simple hysteria, but all sorts of severe mental diseases and psychoses. But instead of despising the patients as many of his colleagues did, he listened to them. He tried to categorise their hallucinations. Jung was also an avid reader of anthropology and history and other sciences, and he travelled a lot, and during his voyages... He visited foreign countries where Western civilization hadn't yet left a footprint. And it was then 
when he discovered that all men and women in the world alike share dreams, mysteries and figures in tales and folklore that had been conveyed over thousands of years. So from his experience, he established the concept of the archetype. It's it's a collectively inherited unconscious idea or a pattern of thought. Simple things like punishment and reward, behavior training. It's something you even see in animals where where macaques that are friendly towards each other will groom each other. Elephants have been observed mourning their dead, so some behaviours are common even between humans and animals. If you ever watch a nature documentary, you'll see a shocking amount of parallel behaviours between them and us. Anyway, back to Jung. He established a link between all these archetypes, and this is from where the notion of the collective unconscious derives. So, it's... It's what all people share in their subconscious mind. It's a shared body of information that we have inside us, regardless of where we're from, our parents' influence, whatever. So examples like laughter and love, stories, singing, communicating with what we'd call universal body language. Like a baby knows to open its mouth and suck. It's born with that knowledge. Toddlers show it when they want to refuse and they play the dead weight card when they don't want to go somewhere. They know, oh, if I just take my legs out from under me and lift my arms over my head, I'm much harder to move to somewhere I don't want to go. It's not something that they're taught, but it's something that they can tap into. It's part of this collective unconsciousness. Or Joey's kangaroos, babies, instinctively know, and this is fascinating, when a joey is born, it's not born fully formed, in that it doesn't have the hair and everything, it's still, it's very, very small. But it knows to climb out and climb up, against gravity, up through its mother's fur, and into the pouch or turtles when they're born in the sand they know to follow the bright light of the moon out to the sea there's even it's a very fascinating concept of parallel evolution and it can be hard to find some examples of it but one of the more glaring ones would be the pyramids and naturally we'd always think of the pyramids in Egypt but there are also pyramids in Central and Southern America and these civilizations were completely independent of each other but they developed similar techniques and similar practices and buildings as part of their religion or like the Bronze Age for argument's sake didn't start in one place and then spread all over the world it started in multiple places as people developed techniques 
So there was this collective unconscious that was somehow being tapped into that people weren't taught but they were able to access. Now the Bronze Age one wouldn't be as good an example of collective unconsciousness but it's the parallel evolution is what that is. I'm totally digressing here. So anyway, in the in the 1920s and 30s, racism was still prevalent in most cultures around the world. Jung's findings were revolutionary at the time he published them because they proved that all people are of the same nature. There is no difference between us. Now, ironically, Jung himself did not understand the consequences of his investigations before the Second World War ended. It's said that he fell prey to some racist theories in the 30s. That is something I'm not able to judge. I couldn't find any evidence of it. But what what is for sure is that Jung became an enemy of all racist theories in the 1940s. Jung is one of the great scientists in the last century who contributed not only to the progress of psychology but other sciences too. But in psychology we see both Freud and Jung as best as the inventors of the science we use today. Later Alfred Adler joined this group. I'll get into him in another episode. So what happened in physics at the same time, Jung would have named it synchronicity. So where things that are seemingly independent seem to have a strange connection. Like if you go to our episode on the mignonette and there's a story in it about a person called Richard Parker. If you listen to the story and go to the end, spoiler alert, I'm not going to tell you the story there, but it's where things that shouldn't have any connection whatsoever are linked. So, in this episode, I'll I'll tell you about a different example. So, there was a French writer called Emile Deschamps who claims in his memoirs in 1805 that he was treated to some plum pudding by a stranger named Monsieur de Fontibu. Ten years later, the writer encountered plum pudding on the menu of a Paris restaurant and wanted to order some, but the waiter told him that the last ditch had already been served to another customer who turned out to be de Fontibu. Many years later, in 1832, Deschamps was at a dinner and once again ordered plum pudding. He recalled the earlier incident and told his friends that only de Fontibue was missing to make the setting complete. And in the same instant, the now senile de Fontibue entered the room, having got the wrong address. So Jung would have named this synchronicity, where things, that they're just so coincidental, they couldn't be just coincidence that there is some hidden connection between things. Now, Jung's work also contributed to mainstream psychology in at least one significant respect. He was the first to distinguish the two major attitudes or orientations of personality, extroversion and introversion. He also identified four basic functions thinking, feeling, sensing, and intuition. And then in a cross-classification, eight pure personality types. So, 
Now, if, if you're interested in different approaches in retraining your brain, you can look up these therapies. There's CBT, which is spoken of an awful lot these days, cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's a therapy that addresses maladaptive behaviors and emotions and examines how beliefs and thoughts are linked to behavior. It gives you skills that will allow you to retrain your thinking and behavior when dealing with with situations. Then there's psychodynamic, which is also known as psychoanalytic. And this goes back to Freud. It's a therapy that encourages you to talk through your dreams and thoughts, helping you to become aware of any hidden patterns or meanings that may be causing your problem. Then there's CAT, Cognitive Analytical Therapy, and it works using some of the principles from both CBT and Psychodynamic. It finds out how behaviour can cause problems and in turn how to improve this through experimentation and self-help. There's humanistic therapy, which helps you to take control of improving your own life. And IPT, interpersonal therapy. And this looks at how a problem can be triggered due to a relationship. So, for for instance, bereavements or disputes. And it helps you to cope by developing coping strategies. So a lot of people can be quick to jump to CBT because it's talked about a lot these days. But there are many different types of therapies and there are many different ways of helping your your mental thoughts and behaviours and your patterns. And it may take a certain amount of experimentation of trying out different things and seeing what works for you. Like I said in the episode about Sigmund Freud, it's like religion. There's no one hard set of principles that must be followed or this is the thing for you. We are all different. We all think differently. We all act differently. There's a very close friend, friend of mine who, who So I've used therapy and I found that it works for me in many ways. And I have a friend who would also have struggles and they haven't used therapies. And even though we would both be in need of different strategies, what might suit me might not suit this other person. And what suits this other person might not suit me. And it's the same for everyone. You're not going to land magically into a therapy session, be cured in six rounds and say, oh, here's your CBT program. It doesn't work like that. It's like fitness programs. There are many different types of fitness programs. And what works for one person will not work for another. Some people love CrossFit. Really, really intense, crazy shit. And then other people just like going for a walk, going for a jog. Try out different things and see what starts to resonate with you, what starts to work for you. And hopefully that will set you on a better path. So I'll leave you with this quote 
from Sue's Cuisine. Much of human behaviour can be explained by watching the wild beasts around us. They are constantly teaching us things about ourselves and the way of the universe, but most people are too blind to watch and listen. Like I said before, if you watch nature documentaries, you will see so much that is common between animals and us. And sometimes it's a very nice, simple way of boiling down maybe our stage in life, where we're at, like adolescent animals and adolescent humans will act the same way. They will play, fight an awful lot. And then when they get into the breeding stage, they will start to physically fight an awful lot. And then as they get older, they will react differently again. So it's like this collective unconscious between humans and animals. Bit of food for thought. And that's it. Because of my own anxiety issues, reading comments about how it is would send me into overdrive, so please, I would ask that you leave no reviews at all. But if you do want to get in contact, please send an email to pearlsandwisdom at aol.com or follow the Instagram page at pearlsandwisdom, where we'll be posting some of the material we cover in the episodes. Stay safe, stay happy, chat soon.